This year is brought to you by TorahWeb.org. Shalom Aleichem, Belsai. The mission in Rosh Hashanah, Ba'abad Pokim Ha'olam Nidam, at four junctures in the year, the world is judged. The Pesach Alatzua, there's a judgment on on the grain crop that happens on Chag HaPesach, Ba'atzeres HaPeros Ha'ilan, on Shavuos, the fruit of the tree, the Rosh Hashanah Kolboi Olam Ovin Lefan of Kivnei Moram, Shanema Hayotze Yachad Libam HaMevin Al Kol on Rosh Hashanah, all of humanity is judged. And finally, the fourth time of din is Ubachag Nidonen Al Hamayim. And on Chag Asukas, HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges the world with regard to water. There's something which is very conspicuously asymmetrical here in the Mishnah. The Pesach, the Mishnah says, is Nidon alatua ba'atzeres ilan b'chag nidon alamoyim. And then the Tana very conspicuously diverges and in say, instead of saying b'nei odom nidonin, instead provides this very graphic description of Koboy Olam Oven Lafan of If we can understand, if we can unravel that very rich phrase will gain insight into din, into chla, into our But let's begin with the phrase called boy olam. It's an interesting way to describe humanity. We find many phrases such as B'nai Odom. And yet here, the Mishnah in particular chooses the Lashem Bo'ei Olam. Interestingly, the Rambam maintains that. And the Rambam in Peri Gimel Fechaz Tshuva tells us about the Din of Rosh Hashanah. He also says, B'chol Shana V'Shana Shokan Avonos Kol Echad V'Echad Mi Bo'ei Olam. There's something vitally important, which is compressed into that phrase, by Ha'olam. But let's leave that question aside for a minute. The Rambam in Tarek Alf of Hilchus Tshuva says that when a person does Tshuva, He's obligated to 
then present themselves before Hakadosh, articulate his tshuva. The person has to be misvada. He has to say vidui. Says the Rambam, Ketzad misvada. What's the quintessential nusach vidui? Ome ona Hashem chotosi avisi fashati lefanecha. I've sinned unintentionally, intentionally, rebelliously. In particular, I'm guilty of such and such an infraction. I experience a sense of remorse and humiliation. And I've resolved to never ever repeat this infraction. And then the Rambam says, These elements, when they converge, when a person combines all these elements, the Chotasi Avisi Pashati, the Sisi Kafaka, the Nichanti Uboshti, the Olamani Chosel Dovazad, those elements together cumulatively, they constitute the Ikaro Shalvidu. We continue learning in Hukhos Chuva. We come to Parik Days. The Rambam tells us that Yom Kippurim, whose man Chuva la call the Yochid Vilaradim. Yom Kippur is a time for individual tshuva as well as collective tshuva. It's the time that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has designated to forgive our sins. And because this is the time designated for forgiveness, this is the deadline for our of tshuva. It's now that we have to respond that invitation, that we have to take advantage of that opportunity to do tshuva. Then the Rambam, skipping a little bit to the next halacha, the Rambam says, based on the Gemara Yuma, that Havidu Shinogu Bakol Yisrael Avochotonu Vuhu Ikara Havidu the simple statement of Chotonu, maybe the Rambam means Chotonu Avinu Pashanu, but either way, that simple, stark confession in truth, I have sinned, we have sinned, Zewi Koshavidoi. Who Ikaravidoi? Lest we perhaps be asleep at the wheel. And, and maybe miss this glaring stira, apparent stira in the Rambam, as to what constitutes Ikarosho Vidoi, so the Rambam waves a red flag for us. He labels each of them Ikarosho Vidoi. The Ona Hashem Chotos Yavisi Bashati Lufanacha Sisi Kach Vikach Vinichanti Uboshi Bimasai Ula Olmeni Chosel Dovazet. That's Ikarosho Vidoi in Parag Aleph. And then the same Rambam turns around in Perik Beis and tells us that in Yom HaKippurim, Aval Anachnu Chatonu, Aval Chatonu, Hu Ikaravidu. The Abodus HaMelech, 
the Benachim Krakowski, the Strat Magid in, in, in Vilna, in, in his Sefer, asked this question. Let, let's leave aside the Raman and Perik Beis for a moment. Return to the Raman and Perik Aleph. Chotosi, the, 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 where the Rambam gives us that longer Nusach But the Mishnah in Sanhedrin, on Gimel, when it says that Kol HaMumosin Mizvadin, that a person who's on the threshold of death, whether it's someone who Rahman al-Islam is receiving Misa's Bezdin, capital punishment in the hands of Bezdin, or whether it's someone who, on a more, in a more natural way, has reached the end of his journey. So a person is supposed to be misvada. And if a person doesn't know how to be misvada on his own, so then we coach him. And we teach him to say, May my death serve as an atonement for all my sins. That, that's all. That's all we prompt him to say. That's all we teach him to say. We don't have the nichamti uboshti. We don't have that full-blown, full-fledged vidoy of perig aleph in Hukhastru. So how's the Rambam going to... How do we square the Rambam in perig aleph with that Mishnah in Sanhedrin. The answer, Rabbi is that it depends when a person is doing tshuva. When a person is doing tshuva, at any point during the course of his lifetime, the governing, the operative nusach of vidui is that which the Rambam presents in Parak Aleph. But when a person is at the end of, of his life, so then the nusach Havidui is the simple, heartfelt, heart-rending recognition and acknowledgement of Chatana. When a person stands facing death, Rahman al-Islam, there's no need to embellish. There's no need to elaborate on the aval anachnu chatanu. It encapsulates everything.
that simple one word confessional contextually when a person stands poised to leave this world that encompasses everything not only is there no need to embellish or elaborate at a certain point it would even detract and, and that's how the Rambam in Perig Aleph squares with the mission Sanhedrin the Rambam in Perig Aleph is not talking about that scenario of tshuva b'shas misa talking about tshuva during the course of a person's lifetime his life is still divided into past and future the person is still very much entrenched in Olam Haza with all of its trials and tribulations and temptations that warrants one type of vidui but when the person is leaving this world that arichus, that elaboration is superfluous the heartfelt simple unadorned statement of chatonu of tahemi sasi kapara al kol avonosai The Rambam in Perik Beis tells us that on Yom HaKippurim the vidui that we recite is the vidui that a person would recite B'Shas Misa. Every year HaKadosh Baruch Hu renews our lease on life for a year. There's no long-term lease. Marshall Amanda Avadoma, a person rents an apartment. But the landlord's policy is he only gives out one year leases. Every year you have to reapply to the landlord that he should renew the lease. The default position until one becomes aware of the renewal is that the lease is up. The, the vidui of Yom HaKippurim, the Ikaroshal vidui of Perek Beis is the Ikaroshal vidui when the lease is about to be up. The Avalanachnu Chatanu parallels the Tehemi Sasi Kapara Koravanasai. And it's apparently not only the Rambam who sees this equation, but Rabbi Yonah and Shari Tshuva as well. There is a remarkable intentional parallelism in Shari Tshuva. In Shar Shani of Shari Tshuva, Rabbi Yonah discusses six different occasions or stages of life 
that should prompt, that should stir a person to do tshuva. The second of those six is kasha yavo yemeya zikna v'yigu yemeya seva. When a person becomes elderly, 60, 70 years old, in that context, Yonah says, If a person is zocher to reach, you may seva, 70 years old. Yosef legarish milibo inyan ha'olam. A person should further extricate himself from mundane matters and mundane preoccupations. And commensurate to the dwindling number of years now, now let's notice, especially these next two phrases, yamit be'esek olam. a person should minimize his mundane involvements. Ve'yesyache tomid, he should seclude himself constantly with his bonein be'yeres Hashem. So Rabbeinu Yonah's guidance for us if we're zocha to reach that age and stage of life, is A, yamid be'esek ha'olam, B, yisyache tamid lehizbonen be'yeres Hashem. A person should be constantly looking for solitude, to reflect. Fast forward in Shara Sheni, to the Derech HaChamishi, the fifth stage or occasion that should prompt a person, that should stir a person to do tshuva, Ba'aseres Yemei Tshuva. During Aseres Yemei Tshuva. Now l- listen to what Rabbeinu Yonah, the manual Rabbeinu Yonah provides for Aseres Yemei Tshuva. A person who has Yerushalayim, or at least aspires, I, I don't know if I can uh, accept that label, but at least aspires to, to Yerushalayim. I'm skipping one phrase. So extraordinary. The exact same directive that Rabbeinu Yonah provides for the end, for the latter stages of life, he provides the exact same guidance, the lema'ed ba'asokov and the lehizbodeid. Remarkable parallel, remarkable symmetry. 
because the mindset in regardless of one's chronological age is that the lease given me last year is due to expire. The Vashem doesn't owe us anything. A person is not entitled and therefore shouldn't necessarily expect to match or exceed the actuarial tables. And the mindset of a Yimei is one of my lease is set to expire. I don't know if it's going to be renewed. What does the phrase boy olam mean literally? So boy olam is a, a smichus, right? It's a construct. It's right, the grammatical form of a construct, and it's short for boim la olam, right? So then when you take the boim and you put it besmichus, in that construct form, so it becomes shortened into boe. But what what does the phrase bo mean? So we find boim at least twice in Chumash. We find it once in Parshas Vayigash. Rashi there explains that Boim is the present tense, right? Heim Boim, right? Heim Bo'u means they came. Heim Boim means they are coming. Heim Yavo'u, they will come. So Boim means coming. So Rashi says that the Torah is written in a way that it's describing as it were, the Torah is giving us the description as it happened. And therefore, the Torah is describing Yaakov and his family coming to Mitzrayim. So, Boim is present tense. And, and that's the simple shot, right? Bo'u is past tense. Boim is present. Yavo is future tense. But we have the same phrase, Boim, and Boim Mitzrayma a second time. The beginning of Sefer Shmos. The Elish Shmos ben Esau had Boim Mitzrayma es Yaakov Ishev Esau Bo Uvein Shimon Levi Yehuda. At this point, Yaakov and his children have long, long since come to Mitzrayim. Boim here clearly means not who are coming, but the comers to Mitzrayim. Just like the word Mechaber in Sefer, in Mechaber in Hebrew, can mean he is writing, he is authoring, or it can mean the author of, which means that he already authored, he already wrote. So Boim means present in Parshas Vayigash, but it means past in Parshas Shmos. 
What, what, is it, what does it mean in the phrase, It means both. Boy Ola means those of us who have come to the world, but who are hoping to emerge from this din to come to the world, who are coming now. The Mishnah depicts us simultaneously. We've come to the world, Lashon Ovar. Each of us has been here so many years, whatever our chronological age is. And yet each of us, Lashon Hove, is coming, is approaching the world. We're beseeching HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're doing tshuva that we should be boyim in the sense of Pashas Vayigash in the present. Not just boyim in the sense of Pashas Shmos, the, the past. But there is another layer of meaning which Chazal compressed into this phrase called Bo'e Olam. The Rambam in Perigimel Fechas Tshuva basing himself on advice uh, at the end of the first paragraph in Maseches Kiddushin writes Again, the background to, to, the, to the excerpt based on the Brisa is that individuals are judged individually, but then collectives are judged collectively. So countries are judged collectively, and then the world is judged collectively. There's individual din, there's collective din. And then the Rambam, based on the Brisa in Masachus Kiddushin, writes as follows. The Fichach, the Din, is determined by whether or not the person individually, the collective collectively amasses more Zechuyos, or more Avonos, more merits or demerits, Rachman the Fichach writes the Rambam, Tzorach kol odom sheyira atzmo kol hashona kula kilo chetzer zakeh vechetzer chayas. Whenever I have to do anything, whenever I stand at the existential crossroads of having to make a decision, A person should see himself as though the two sides of the balance are, are, are equal. The two sides of the scale, they're equally balanced. The merits and the demerits are equally balanced. The chain... And not only should a person view himself that way, but v'chein kola olam, 
A person should see the entire world as hanging in the balance. Not only the individual microcosm is totally omade, is hanging in the balance, but the macrocosm is hanging in the balance. If the person will do one chait, it's going to tip the scale, tip the scales. One chait can bring about destruction, personal destruction, cosmic destruction. But conversely, also mitzvah achas. If the person responds and does the mitzvah, not the avera, He's made the, the mitzvah scale will be way down. And he brings about salvation. What does this mean? Does this really, I mean, how likely is it that this is really the case? That it's really an, an exact, an exact, exact, the two sides of zechuyos and avonos, of merits and demerits, are exactly weighted the same? How likely is it? When you have a race, how likely is it to have a dead heat? So, one is, we don't really know, because the Raman tells us that the calculations, the arithmetic is divine. It's divine. It's a divine arithmetical system of weighing Zuchuyas and Avonas, so we have no sense whatsoever for how likely this scenario it is. Maybe it is a likely scenario. In human accounting firms, it's highly unlikely, but we have no sense for how divine accounting operates. But, but there is a presumably more fundamental answer, an, an answer, I'm, I'm not sure whether I'm, I'm directly quoting or adapting something that, that my, my son explained, but either way, I'm, I'm certainly indebted on this point to him. Is that Chazal's point, the Rambam's point, it's not necessarily that that is likely to be the case, but conceptually, philosophically, when you see the significance, because that could be the case, that tells us what the significance and what the importance 
of every action a person does, how much significance and importance there is to every action. When you look at that scenario, so that scenario is mochiach. That scenario clarifies for us and frames for us that what the person does is repercussive. And that's why a person has to always act with that sense of responsibility regardless of what the possibility or probability is that at this exact moment that precise balance exists. I read once a story in, in, uh, in, in the Svarim Hema Yenachamuni from, from the, 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 the Talmud Revenue. So he tells a story that he heard from the Pnei Menachem, one of the previous Gera Rebbe's, I think maybe the, the, the uncle of, of the current Rebbe. So the Pnei Menachem was the, was the Ben Zakunim of the Imayamis. The MAMS was a, a very, very holy, incredibly erudite, and, and he was basically the king of Polish joy. The Prem Menachem, who was the son of the MAMS, the second marriage, he was, he was a widower and remarried. He told the story that his father, the Imrayamis, told his mother in the Yichudvim. He says, when I speak, I'm going to speak very tersely. Because for half a word of mine, I don't remember if he said tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of Hasidim would jump into the fire. Something to that effect. I, I, I may have uh, added or subtracted from, from the quote, but that, that was the, uh, the, the general thrust of what he said. But when he was talking to his wife, the Hasidim weren't eavesdropping. No, but the Yisod is, when a person becomes a weir, of what the koach hadibor is, what the potency of speech is in any one situation, so then he realizes how careful he has to be with his words in every situation. When a person realizes what one single action could do in a specific context, a person learns and realizes how careful he has to be in every context. That's one limud. That's one inference from this Rambam, from the Bryson Kedushan. But there's another limud, there's another inference from Versailles. And that is that a person lives with a sense of achrayis for the world. We each live in our own Dalramas. And we live with a sense of achrayis for the world. That it's yitochen, that what I do 
in my Dalramas might be Machriya as Kola Olam Kulo, be it the Kavzchos, be it in the other direction. A person lives with that sense of Achrayas for the world. A Jew lives with an additional sense of Achrayas. The Torah says in Pashat. Literally, it translates as part of the when we're running away from our enemies, that we trip over each other. That in addition to that, the toes also teaching. A person will stumble in the sense of being punished and held accountable for the sin of his fellow Jew. Jews have mutual responsibility. There's an interdependence which binds us all together. There's a mutual responsibility that we all share. And this underlies a very basic halacha. The halacha the Gemara Rosh Hashanah presents of Yotza Motzi. If I've already made Kiddush and someone else needs to hear Kiddush, I can repeat the Kiddush. To facilitate that person, that individual discharging his or her obligation. But, but how is that possible? The rule, as the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah tells us, is that only is I can only say Kiddush and be Motzi someone else if I'm Mechuyav in Kiddush. So, for instance, if a person is, is a Katan, is still a minor, who in HaTorah is not obligated in Kiddush, he can't recite Kiddush for an adult. So if I've already made Kiddush, how am I a mechuyiv bedavar that I can say Kiddush a second time on behalf of someone else? So says Rashi, because of that mutual responsibility and interdependence, I'm still mechuyiv in Kiddush. So I have to make Kiddush a second time. Let's say someone else comes knocking on my door. I haven't heard Kiddush yet. I don't know how to make Kiddush. I make a Kiddush a third time. Let's say I'm, I'm, I'm in a, a drop-in center. I make Kiddush five times, ten times, fifty times. I'm still in Mechuyim Medavah. When am I Potter? I'm Potter when every Jew has made Kiddush. Then I'm Potter. Until then, I'm still in Mechuyim Medavah. I'm still obligated in Kiddush until every Jew has heard Kiddush. So a Jew lives with this double sense of Achrayis, not just a sense of Achrayis for himself, but a sense of Achrayis for Koisal Aregim Zebelzeh, but a sense of Achrayis for the world also. A person has to Look at his actions, the repercussions and consequences 
the potential repercussions and consequences for the whole world. What a beautiful vision. A person cannot be self-centered. A person hasn't been Yotzei Mitzvah's Kiddush until every other Jew has made Kiddush. A person can't be content with his own Ruchmeyas, his own spiritual accomplishments, his own financial security. And what a beautiful vision that the sense of responsibility that a person should have to act properly, a person has to see and recognize that his actions potentially impact the whole world, and he should feel the responsibility that comes with that. What a beautiful vision. Asavsmechuva uh, is a time to learn. It's also a time to, to ask ourselves questions that, that perhaps we avoid asking the rest of the year. A beautiful vision. But do we fulfill that vision? That question is, is a perennial. Always vital, always valid. But especially this year. Here, especially in the, in the greater New York, New Jersey area. A half year ago, our communities suffered terrible, terrible losses. Hashem Yerachim. And now, we're all aware of the fact that there's, a, that there's a surge of cases in our communities. We're all aware of the fact that the six neighborhoods in New York City that have the highest rates are neighborhoods which have heavy concentrations of Orthodox Jews. I have a friend, a dear friend, who's a brilliant physician. Sometimes his brilliance translates into discovery, medical papers. I'm too much of an ignoramus to uh, appreciate that side of the brilliance. But sometimes his brilliance expresses itself in 
clearing away all the clutter and highlighting the most important, salient, simple facts. So I owe the following understanding to him. The simple fact is we speak in our parlance of, of the virus spreading. But viruses don't spread. Viruses are not self-propelling. Viruses of their own accord cannot go from one place to another. They cannot go from one person to another. Viruses don't spread. People spread viruses. That's the medical scientific reality. We euphemistically absolve ourselves by describing it as the virus spreads. And the virus is highly contagious and it spreads like wildfire. Viruses don't spread. Viruses don't jump. People spread viruses. When we talk about transmission of viruses, people transmit viruses to each other. If someone has the virus, and forgive my bluntness, forgive my directness, but we have to understand the truth of Elsai. If someone has the virus, someone else gave it to him. If someone is sick, or worse, that virus was transmitted person to person. People spread viruses. Viruses don't spread on their own. They cannot. That's a medical fact, a scientific fact, with extraordinary halachic implications. There's a beautiful vision. I can't think only about myself. It's not a question of whether I made Kiddush. It's a question of whether everyone else made Kiddush. Whether everyone else heard the Megillah. Whether everyone else had a chance to, to bench Lulav. And it's and it's for kol ha'olam kulo. There's a sense. It's not the same din. It's not couched in terms of orvis, but there's a sense of concern. There has to be a sense of recognition for how my actions impact the entire world. Ben Kessel also is a time to ask ourselves questions, so let, let's continue with us. It is a fact 
on which, upon which is a consensus omnium that a major source of this deeply concerning spread of cases in the Orthodox community is traced back to weddings. There are prime, this primary spread, the secondary spread, this tertiary spread. But the aviavos, in many, many cases, are weddings. And not only indoor weddings, but outdoor weddings. We know that. We know that. It's a fact. And, and as much as, 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 as we, we might want to stick our heads in the sand, the fact remains, and our awareness of the fact remains, So when do we, when, when a child is playing with matches, when a child finds a, a revolver and is playing with a revolver, so when, when do we intercede that the child should stop playing with the matches after the whole building is set on fire? and people are trapped in the fire, and there are fatalities in the fire, then we recognize retrospectively that maybe it's not such a good idea to let the child play with matches. Well, no, we intervene right away. What are we waiting for to stop the dangerous behavior? And it's not only weddings. Without implying anything as to what the acceptable standard should be. But it's clearly unacceptable to gather indoors for davening without masks and to sing. To sing and to spread the droplets and the aerosol. There have been documented cases of transmission. Viruses don't spread. People spread them. If Ruvain has the virus, let, let's be very blunt, Rabbi Either Shimon or Levi or Yehuda gave it to him. Now, did they give it to him intentionally? Rahman al-Islam. Rahman al-Islam, of course not. No one's giving it to anyone intentionally. No one's transmitting anything intentionally. But the Ramadan tells us when a shomer, someone who's entrusted with a deposit is poshaya, is grossly neglectful of that deposit, the Rambam famously says, Poshe Mazik. 
He didn't intend. When, 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 you, when you gave me your, your silver candlesticks as a deposit that I should watch over them, and I left home without locking my door, maybe I even left my door open, and the candlesticks were in full view, I didn't intend, chas v'shalom, that your candlesticks should be stolen. But says the Rambam, no, the person has to pay. And the Rambam says, and you know why the person has to pay? Because call it Poshaya Mazik. And people who are mevinim, people who are discerning, which we all are, we're an Amchachon Venavon, so we're all mevinim. People who are discerning understand that. It doesn't have to be a hinani muchan zuman to transmit a virus. We're entrusted to be guardians of our fellow Jews. We're charged to be concerned with kola olam kula. And yet we persist in doing things. Why? I don't know. Because I, I don't know why. It's inexplicable and it's inexcusable. And if we don't do our best to identify cases that do happen, if for whatever reason we're neglectful on that level as well, that's also a din poshaya. And the Rambam's psak the Rambam's ruling of Poshem Azek applies in that case also. We asked, what does the Mishnah mean, Kovoy Olam? Kovoy Olam, a person, when he's Omed Bidin before HaGadosh Baruch Hu, has to recognize that I'm a Yochid, I'm being judged as such that I'm a yachid who lives in a world. And part of what I'm being judged for is my impact upon that world, is the sense of responsibility that I have for that world. How did I impact that world? What kind of example did I set? Did I try to model correct behavior? Or did I rationalize why I don't need to? Or did I just not think? If the mission would have just said, So the mission wouldn't have conveyed this sense 
of communal achrayas and cosmic achrayas, responsibility that the person has. Who are we? In what capacity do we appear before Gershbaruch for judgment as boy olam? It's not just a question of whether I think I might get sick or not get sick. It's not just a question of I think how the virus might affect me. It's not just b'nei Adam who are being nidonen on Rosh Hashanah. It's boy olam who are being nidonen on Rosh Hashanah. I'm a boy olam. This is a world that's populated by many other other Jews for whom I'm always, and by many other other people for whom I'm supposed to show concern as to whether or not I'm being machriyas ha'olam lekafzchos or otherwise. I, I want to continue on the Mishnah, but, but we should remember Rabbosai. We should remember that everyone who falls sick from the virus was given the virus by someone else. That's the medical reality. And we should be aware of the halachic implications of that medical reality of the whole boe olam. I'm going to be asked if I go to that wedding, did you think? If you thought, did you think beyond yourself? Koboi olam. It's not just b'nei odom who are being nidon in Rosh Hashanah, it's boy olam. We all want to be able to answer those questions, Rav Osai. I didn't know, I didn't think, I didn't realize it's not going to cut it. We know we're capable of thinking and therefore obligated to think. And if there's anything we don't realize, it's willful ignorance because the basic facts are, are clear. And even, I don't mean that weddings are the only problem. They're a major, major, major problem. They're not the only problem. It's not the only venue that's a problem. But even the good weddings, the outdoor weddings, the mask slips a little bit here, slips a little bit there. People are singing. People are breathing heavily. People are dancing. Viruses do not spread. We spread viruses. What is the phrase Kivnei Moron mean? 
The Gemara has a couple of interpretations. Like sheep. But Rashi says what it means is when the owner is counting his livestock so that he can tithe from the livestock born this year. So he arranges a very, very narrow opening. Such that it's impossible for two sheep to squeeze out together. Kolboy Olam Oven Fun of Moron means that yes, there is an element of collective judgment. And yet, and yes, there is a reality of collective atonement. But what the Mishnah chooses to highlight is the individual nature of the Standing before Gavosh Baruch Hu in Din is an intensely personal and profoundly lonely experience. We can be surrounded by loving friends, family, community, and yet, Koboy Olam Oven Lefanov Kivnei Marum. Din is a solitary experience. Intensely individual and therefore profoundly lonely. Rishus kol adam nesuna lo, every individual, Rishus kol adam nesuna lo, every individual, each one of us, imrotza lahatos atzmo l'derech tovav liyos tzadik rishus biyado, imrotza lahatos atzmo l'derech rov liyos rosh rishus biyado, a person chooses his path in life. Don't, continues the Rambam, don't let it even cross your mind as a fleeting thought that there's any kind of predeterminism. Kol Adam Adam. again, every individual, right? That, that, that emphasis, Kol Adam Adam is morally autonomous. Is Roy Leo Tzadik Moshe Rabbeinu or Roshikir Everyone is morally autonomous. And the corollary to that individual moral autonomy, the corollary to that fact that we're all free to make our own judgments and decisions and chart our course of actions, 
is that each one of us bears personal, individual responsibility which cannot be evaded. For the decisions we make, for the actions that we perform. The Kavan Shekane Ainlo Misha Yachvehu Vlogozerlov. There is no coercion, there is no predetermination. The Kavan Shekainhu Nimsa Zahote Hu Hifsedalatsmo. If a person sinned, he cannot shift the blame. He cannot avoid the responsibility. And that's why din, again, the aspect of seaboard being nido notwithstanding, the aspect of kapar sarabim notwithstanding, the loneliest moment in life is the moment of din. Because Kobay Olam Ovin the son of Kivnei Moron, we can't hide behind anyone. We can't generate a smoke screen of excuses. says every person is given the moral autonomy to make his own decisions to chart his own course and because of that every person bears individual responsibility and the olive base of tshuva is to recognize that fact. Kevin Shekainhu Nimsa Zehachot, the sinner engaged in self-destructive behavior. There is a deep-seated human tendency which is as as ancient as mankind to try to shift blame. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu confronts Chava, the answer is Hanocha Shishiani V'Ochel. No, the, the, the serpent cajoled me, persuaded me. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu confronts Adam, Ha'isha Shena Sate Imodi, the wife that you, that you gave me was the provocateur. When Shmuel confronts Shaul about his chait, so Shaul says, When Shmuel asks, He says, What's this sound that I hear of sheep? So says Shaul, the people, the people decided to be compassionate on its own and Boka. It's a deep 
seeded tendency but it's 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 not an argument boy olam ovim the fun of kivnaymaran there's personal autonomy to decide what to do and because of that there's personal responsibility to everything we do if someone persuaded me so then they bear responsibility for that but i bear the responsibility for being persuaded if someone lured me into hate that person bears the responsibility for his for his part but i bear full responsibility for my part sometimes we seek to evade responsibility not by blaming others as in hanochash or isha shenasati madi or ashakham al haam and sometimes we're not looking to blame akadosh baruch for some kind of biological predetermined predetermination Sometimes Antoninus asks Rebbe that Lord Love Gufunshama each will be able to exonerate itself the guf will say without the nishama I'm like an inanimate stone and the nishama will say without the guf I'm I'm pure Rebbe answers with a marshal of a king who appoints two watchmen to to guard his 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 vineyard one's blind one's lame he comes back and he sees the fruits were eaten the blind one says i don't even know what's here i can't even i can't even see it the lame one says i can't climb up so what does the king do He puts the lame one on the shoulders of the blind one and he judges them. And that was Rebbe's answer to Antoninus. Sometimes we look to evade responsibility by blaming, by spinning off an urge we have. Well, it wasn't me. It was that urge. It was that desire. That but that also that 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 also that doesn't doesn't carry weight the gemara vodazara famously tells the story of abelazar ben dodaya who had lived an incredibly sinful life when he becomes aware and wants to do chuva So he turns to the home of Gvos and says Bakshulai Rachamim intercede for me you 
affect the reconciliation between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Let the Horem Ugvos do it. And they say, Ad she'onu mevakshim alecha nevakesh al atzmenu. No, we're, 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 we're preoccupied. So he turns and he says, Shemayim v'oretz bakshol ha'rachamim. You affect the reconciliation between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they too demure. Ad she'onu mevakshim alecha nevakesh al atzmenu. Chama Levona, the sun and moon. And they too beg off. And finally, Rabbi Lezer ben comes to the recognition that Eina Dova Toloi Elabi. But there's an Omek here, Rabbi say. Yes, on the most basic level, if I don't do tshuva, no one else can do tshuva for me. But on a deeper level, the mindset that I need help in doing tshuva, that someone else should intercede, someone else should affect that reconciliation with the Rebam Shalom, is the state is that I'm not sovereign. I can't do it myself. I can't overcome this temptation. I'm only human. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. All the cliches that we trot out. That same mindset, when I'm looking to do tshuva, translates into Shemaim Vavitz Malai. I can't do it. The same way I couldn't resist the hate, I can't do the tshuva. The understanding that Eina Dovatoli Elibi is not only necessary that I do tshuva, it's a part of the tshuva because it counteracts the mindset of hate. The mindset of hate is that we don't recognize how strong our willpower can be, how strong our self-discipline can be, how stiff our backbone can be, we sin. And when we properly appreciate what we can do, so not only does that clear the way for tshuva, but that's the first part of the tshuva. Eina dova toli elabi. Kol olam oven lefon of kivnei moron, single file. It's a private audience. It's an intensely individual and profoundly lonely experience. And it's one that in preparation for, a person needs to internalize the Eina Dava Toloi Elevi. It's getting late, Rabbi so just very quickly, this last point deserves elaboration, but just very quickly. So we've commented on Koboy Olam. We've commented on Kivnei Moron. Oven Lefanov. Again, let, let's, let's recall that this Arichus, this elaborate phrase, 
is what's substituting for Bepesach Nidon Alatua. So it should have been Berosh Hashanah B'nai Odom Nidonim. And instead of the Mishnah saying B'nai Odom Nidonim, the Mishnah says, Kobayalim Odom Lefanach Kivnei Maram. What's the Ovin Lefanach? The Loshan Nidon just means that a person or something is being judged. Ovin Lefanach means that there's an audience with the judge. It's not just that we're being judged. But we're invited into the judge's chambers for that din. We're invited into his chambers so that we can take advantage of Dirshu Hashem Behimotso. It's not a din that's imposed upon us. It's not a din that we just passively are subjected to. It's not even a din that's impersonal in the sense that we don't encounter the melech v'shofet kolo'oretz. Rosh Hashanah kolboi olam oven lefanav. Din involves being omed l'fnei melech. Being omed l'fnei melech b'din is terrifying, but involves incredible opportunity. It means that the Melech allows us to, to, to address him. It means that the Melech won't render judgment until we've had that access to him. Only after there's been a Himatso when HaKadosh Baruch Hu has been present and accessible in a way that from our, on the human level, he's not accessible any other time of the year, only after the Himatso, only after the, only with Himatso, only with and after Biyoso Karov is the din decided. So there's tremendous personal responsibility, but there's incredible personal opportunity because what Din represents is Ovin Lefonov. Din is a part of Malchios, which means his Galus, Hashem in the world, which means that paradoxically, when Hashem is being done, 
He's closer than at any other time. And it's that much easier to do tshuva, that much easier to determine that the din be in, in our favor. Kobay olam ovin lefan of means that the opportunity embedded in din is the opportunity and the exhortation of lifnei Hashem to Torah. Kobay olam ovin lefan of the judge brings us into his chambers and it's only he will not render din until after affording us that royal audience. A royal audience that makes it easier than at any other time in the year to do tshuva, a royal audience that allows and assists blessing the mitzvah and the opportunity of lifnashem tetaru. Hashivenu Hashem to achieve to, 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 to a I, I, I wish everyone a, a, a good Gewenscht Jahr Ich mache Sie mit Tauber Schnasheim Beschauung Gefahrt Uwe Kraft